I just need to get after this with you today. I've had it on my heart to talk to you today about what it means to be spirit-filled. This is a term that we use. A lot of you are at this church because somewhere down the line somebody told you that you were spirit-filled now. And nobody else wanted you, so you came here. <laughs> and we talk, you know, we use this nomenclature. We, we talk about spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled people. And uh, it's terminology that uh, sometimes is vague in understanding. I'm convinced that if we could get it straight, it would change our lives radically. It wouldn't just be a way to describe us as a group of people or the type of a church that we go to. And so this morning my topic is spirit-filled. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible real quick. I hope you brought one with you. If you didn't, fake it and pretend you're opening a Bible and bring one next week. Shame on you. Ephesians chapter 5 is where I'd like to go for my text this morning, and we'll have it up on the screen for those of you that are here without your smartphone or your Bible. So here we go. Be very careful then how you live. It's good advice. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This would be a good verse to put on your refrigerator door, you know, or someplace like that. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now I'm not sure what debauchery is, but it sounds bad. So watch out for it, okay? Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There's the term I'm looking for. This scripture is not given to us to tell us we're not supposed to drink wine. This scripture is given to us to tell us that you're never going to find in a bottle, you're never going to find in a jar, you're never going to find in a pillbox, you're never going to find anywhere what God wants to release in your life through his Holy Spirit. So don't let anything substitute the peace and the joy that the presence of God wants to bring about in your life because you're selling yourself short. So instead of depending on something you can buy at the grocery store, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another, this is what Spirit-filled people do apparently now, the rest of this verse. They speak to one another. It's always nice to talk to each other now and then, you know. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. How many of you do that? You're not very good at carrying a tune in a bucket, but there's a song in your heart all the time that you can sing into a storm, knowing that God is with you. So music isn't always just something that people are doing so well on a platform like we've enjoyed today, but it's just the song of a heart that's been set free by the presence of God. So let that music from your heart be released to the Lord. Always giving thanks. And I looked up that word always there in the Greek, and it means always. Okay? Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
What does it mean to be spirit-filled? What does it mean to be a part of a spirit-filled church? Next slide. Well, first of all, who or what exactly is the quote-unquote spirit? You know, people have a lot of funny ideas about who the Holy Spirit is. Is Is the Holy Spirit an experience that a person has one time or several times or occasionally? Is, Is he a sensation? Is he a beverage of some kind? You know, so many times people are talking about getting drunk in the spirit and been being under the spout where the glory comes out and all these Pentecostal terms that people use that you'd somehow think that the Holy Spirit, you know, it was a beverage. <laughs> and then there's this unfortunate use of the term because it does occur a few times in the King James Version of the Bible, ghost. People like to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost and it freaks people out because... Most of us have a different connotation of what a ghost is. But the truth of the matter is that the Greek word that's translated spirit and translated ghost is the same word, but it simply means inanimate. It it means that that it's, it's, it's without a body. The Holy Spirit does not have a body, but he's, he's not a spook. And he doesn't scare people. He doesn't give people goosebumps. People have all these funny ideas about when the spirit is moving that somehow that's supposed to be weird. And that spirit-filled people look weird. They act weird. Have you ever met a person that came off kind of weird and they explained it that way as being something to do with the anointing of the Holy Spirit or something? Freaked you out and you said, that's one way I don't want to be. And so we have all these different vague and... uh, ethereal and unusual ideas about just exactly who or what the Holy Spirit is. And even though we call ourselves spirit-filled, some of us here, and we go to a spirit-filled church that we don't really want to get too spiritual because that means you're going to be, you're going to be strange. And so we spend all our time trying to apologize for being Pentecostals. Betsy and I spend the first two months of every year, we just finished this a week ago, we spend the first two months of every year in Mexico, and I have to confess it's not doing missions work. Uh, it's, uh, we have a wonderful place that we go there, and, and during that time, among other things, I, I just really wait on the Lord about um, when given the opportunity to speak in churches, which will come probably 40 or 50 times this year, and in the classes that I teach at a couple of universities, you know, what am I going to teach on this year? What's this year going to be about? And, the, I, I just, and while I was down there, the invitations started coming, and um, one of the invitations I received was from Northwest University to teach a course this summer in their degree completion program uh, entitled... Pentecostal spirituality. I thought, my, that sounds fascinating. Pentecostal spirituality. And so here's an Assembly of God college trying to make Pentecostals sound a little bit more sophisticated. Pentecostal spirituality. So I'm, I'm going to be teaching this course on Pentecostal spirituality. And I'm really kind of looking forward to that. And then another invitation came while we were there by email to, to do a workshop at the 
the Foursquare Convention that's going to be in Seattle this year, and ministers are going to be coming from all over the United States together, and they asked me to, to do a session on the, um, you know, the Foursquare has four corners, Jesus Christ the Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and the Coming King. Did you know that? Did you know that's what Foursquare meant? Did you really? You just thought it was a food cult. We believe in four square meals a day, right? No, it's Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer, and soon coming King. And every year at the convention, they do a session on each of those things to kind of refresh those things with the ministers. And they've asked me to do the one on the Holy Spirit. And I guess they found somebody old enough that still talks about that to do it. And so I'm taking that in honor to do it. But I knew when those two invitations came that this year I needed to talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what I'm going to try and get through in the few minutes that I have left because it's a, it, it's a huge subject. And some of these slides that I'm going to throw up for you right now could be a, a sermon in themselves. Could I have the next slide? One of the things you have to get into your mind when you talk about the Holy Spirit is that a study of the Holy Spirit is a study of the presence of God. File that. A study of the Holy Spirit is a study of the presence of God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the presence of the living God. Not an experience, not a gift, not a sensation, not an experience, not a ghost. God. The third member of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when you're talking about the Holy Spirit in your life, you're talking about the presence of the living God at work in and through your life. That's all we're talking about. And that is going to make an incredible difference when we get that straightened out. Next slide. The progressive revelation of God. Is that what it says up there? Now this is a sermon, this is a series of messages in itself. But let me use it as a segue. God has chosen to progressively, carefully reveal himself to humankind. It began in the Old Testament with the God who was out there. And he would, so to speak, pounce on certain people like a, a Moses or a, or a Joshua or a David or some great person he would anoint to be a king or a, a queen or a prophet, and they would do amazing exploits for God, and the people would just stand around with their mouths hanging open, watching those people be used by God as the God out there. And what does it say over and over in the Old Testament? And the Spirit of God came upon him. And the Spirit of God came upon her. These people did such amazing things after the Holy Spirit came upon them that we've been naming our kids after them ever since. <laughs> and some of us are still caught back in the Old Testament sitting around a church waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. As if he was the God out there that's going to somehow mysteriously pounce on us at some point when we do everything exactly right. And that is a concept of the Holy Spirit that millions of spirit-filled people have. The Holy Spirit comes on you. 
But it's incorrect. It's incomplete because the progressive revelation of God tells us that the next way that God began to reveal himself to us was through God the Son. First it was God the Father, now God the Son. And what did he do? He came and dwelt among us. He was with us. That's the second step in the progressive revelation of God. God out there, God with us. And we, we love the stories of the life of Christ and the things that he did and his sidekicks, the people that followed him around and watched all this stuff happen. And sometimes they were there and sometimes they weren't. And sometimes they decided to go with him and sometimes they decided, decided, decided to stay home. And sometimes they go listen to him preach all day. And sometimes they had other things to do. And there's a lot of people that have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that today. It's kind of on again, off again. Sometimes I'm into him. Sometimes I'm not so much into him. Sometimes I, I'm sensitive to him. Sometimes I'm not sensitive to him. It's kind of an inconsistency. Because, I mean, he, he's, he's with you, but then sometimes, well, frankly, I'd rather be with somebody else. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to be with God today for Pete's sake. I got enough of that yesterday. I need a break. I'm getting too spiritual. A little worried about myself. Might do something freaky. So we have to kind of pace this thing. You know, don't get too excited about it. But, but, but that's an incorrect concept of the presence of God. He's not a God out there who drops in once in a while. He's not a God who's here and around and we can just kind of check in and check out like we feel like it. Because there's a third step in the progressive revelation of God. And that is the God who is in us. Can you say amen to that? That's what the day of Pentecost is about. That's what Paul meant when he said, don't you realize, don't, don't you get it? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. So you see, you can't escape him if you're spirit-filled. He's there. The day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, how many of you have done that? The Holy Spirit came and took up residence in you that day, and he's there. And you know what he said about that? I'm never going to leave. Can you say amen to that? He doesn't come and go. He came. And he wants us to be aware of his living presence in us every day of our lives. And it doesn't have to turn you into the church lady. It doesn't have to turn you into somebody super spiritual. It doesn't have to turn you into some kind of a maniac. Just means that you begin to live in the power of the Holy Spirit every day of your life. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. The next slide. So a study of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because you've heard that term, is a study of the influence of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. The word baptism means to come under the influence. 
And at some point, the Bible teaches us that we can invite the Holy Spirit to not only be in us, but listen, here's a curious idea, to influence us. Did you hear me? It's one thing to say, I have the Holy Spirit living in me. It's another thing to say, and the Holy Spirit is influencing and animating my very behavior today. I want to live my life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Next slide. The Spirit-filled life is a life lived under the influence of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. It is his promise to live in us and his desire to work through us. The decision is always, every day, every moment, every situation that you find yourself in, the decision as to the influence of the Holy Spirit is yours and no one else's. You decide. He doesn't come on people. He doesn't control people. He doesn't manipulate people. We decide whether the Holy Spirit is going to influence this situation we're in. And often when we come to a church service, we decide, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit influence this time in my life. But can we say the same thing this afternoon when we want to yell at our wife and kick our dog? Or can we say that in the middle of next week when we're with our so-called friends at school getting ready to do some things that we know we don't have any business doing? Or can we say that at work when there's the opportunity to fudge a little bit or to do the right thing? I'm going to decide that the Holy Spirit is going to influence this moment because he's not out there. He's not over there. He's in here. And it was Jesus who prophesied in John 7, 38, about the Holy Spirit and said that out of your innermost man, out, not in, he's already there. Out of your innermost being will flow life. And life implies the right thing, the healthy thing, the whole thing, the good thing, the decent thing, the lovely thing. It's there, just waiting to be released because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Next slide. So I mentioned John 7, 38. Next slide. This is a diagram of the way God put you together. You have a spirit, you have a soul, you have a body. And when you open your heart to Jesus, God came to live in your spirit. But he wants to also influence your soul. What is your soul? It's your intellect, your emotions, your will, your decision-making processes, your personality. It's the unique you. And he wants to influence your physical relationships and your physical urges and your physical strengths and your physical weaknesses. He wants to, out of your innermost being, flow. And so in this next slide, if I could have it, You can see the anatomy of the spirit-filled life in a diagram as the Holy Spirit flows out of you into your circumstances because you are spirit-filled. And God wants to influence every day of your life. Next slide. 
Now, this is based on a couple of things that we believe over here at the Foursquare Church. Number one, there's this idea of cessation that we don't believe. It's a doctrine that's common in many Christian churches that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit ceased with the end of the apostolic era and the canonization of the New Testament. And that there's none of these things are, are, are necessary today. We don't believe that. We believe like you sang in your songs this morning that I need you, Lord. Every hour, I need you. I need your gifts. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need you. Where did I ever get the concocted, sophisticated, semi-stupid idea that there's some things about you I don't need anymore? And then the other important doctrine that we could take an hour on is the doctrine of subsequence. And some of you need to get cleared up on this. And that doctrine we do embrace. And that is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that's subsequent to salvation. There was a time when the Holy Spirit came into your life by your invitation. But there comes a time when by that same kind of faith and that same act of your will, that you invite the Holy Spirit to be released from within you and to baptize and to influence every area of your life. And the Lord answers that prayer. There's one coming of the Holy Spirit. It's not like he comes into your life and he gets saved, then he leaves and then he comes back later and makes you a Pentecostal. That's ridiculous. He comes into you and he lives there And you then invite him to influence you, to baptize you. And don't confuse speaking in tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is just one of a zillion things that might happen when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It just releases so much more. Next slide, moving along here as fast as I can. Spirit-filled people are what I call paraclete people. They have a strong motivation to see people saved. This is what the presence of the Holy Spirit does in people. They start caring about the fact that people are lost. They want to do something about it. And the Bible says it gives us the power to witness. I know i got to stop or they're going to throw me out. <laughs> the strong motivation to live a clean life. There's a unique idea. The presence of the Holy Spirit is a clean influence, ladies and gentlemen. He has two names. You know, we used to sing that song, my uh, baloney has two names, Oscar and Meyer. Remember that song? I can't remember how it went. My baloney. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit has two names. Holy. Did you hear me? Holy. It simply means clean. And spirit Supernatural. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your week this, in your next week, if you allow him to influence you, is going to bring about clean thoughts. Some of you are struggling with filthy thoughts all the time. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse your mind. He wants to do that. He can do that. Well, there's a whole list of things. Strong motivation. To see Satan exposed. You know, spirit-filled people believe in a devil. But they're not afraid of him. Hallelujah! I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not intimidated by the devil. I just know he's there. And I know that Jesus has defeated him. 
and so on and so forth. I've got to stop. You see the list? Take notes. <laughs> so my next slide, where are you? Where are you with this? So what do you mean when you say you're a spirit-filled Christian? Spirit-filled Christian? You mean you spoke in tongues 50 years ago? That's not a spirit-filled Christian. That's somebody who spoke in tongues 50 years ago. I did a lot of things 50 years ago. Some of them I'm not proud of. A spirit-filled Christian is a person who's allowing the Holy Spirit to influence them every day of their life. My wife and I have been talking about this lately, and if I could have the next slide, this, this diagram here, these pictures here of a glass of water. The first glass, you know, it's empty. Next glass, half full or half empty, whichever way you want to put it. The next two on the right, you know, one's right up there close to the brim and one's at the brim. Which one's full? Is it the one you probably would say, well, the first one looks pretty full to me. The second one, it's about as full as it can get. But you know, the truth of the matter is that a glass of water isn't full until it's running over. Did you hear me? Out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. I also have a picture here of a glass it's got some junk in it. You see that? It's a little dirty. That's kind of the way my glass looks sometimes. Notice that little piece of piping, that tubing that I put there. It's like if you were in a biology lab, you could stick that down into the bottom of that glass of dirty water, start running some fresh, clean water down in there, and it will wash that right out. When it overflows, the junk goes out. And these little silly pictures of water glasses explain. And I could have the last slide. That when Jesus prophesied, he promised you that out of your innermost being, bubbling up from within inside of you, could be the presence of the living God that influences every iota, every moment, every breath, and every decision of your everyday life. And ladies and gentlemen, when that occurs, you are living the Spirit-filled life. Well, there's people in this room today that need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I would like to suggest to you that you think about what I've said today. I wish I'd had more time to talk to you about it. I took more time than I should have. You talk to your pastor or your assistant pastor or one of the elders of the church and say, you know, I, I'm curious about hearing more about what that guy was talking about. I don't even remember his name, but I know that he was bald and old. Would you, would you talk to me some more and pray with me about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I know Jesus lives in me, but... but I, I know the Holy Spirit lives in me. I know the presence of God is in me. But I'm telling you, I want him to move out into every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.